most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022, the 399th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I want to start out by fact-checking myself from yesterday. I added in a clip that Project Veritas had posted while I was taking a little break from recording yesterday. And it was one of their undercover journalists speaking to Van Jones and Van Jones speaking about Russia. And Project Veritas usually posts always new content or posts their content with a caption or something referencing why they're posting the content. The clip yesterday did not have that. And it turns out they actually captured that clip in 2017. So they may well have been posting that just as kind of a uh, a flashback to meme or comment on the current situation in Russia. But it's clear, obviously, because the clip was from 2017, that Van Jones was not referring to the current situation with Russia. So apologies for including that in the podcast yesterday in the context of the situation in Russia. The point remains the same. But the clip was clearly not attached to that. So good reminder for me and for everyone to make sure you have the proper background on the content to make sure that it's placed in the proper context. And rather than doing that myself, I relied on what I knew about the posting habits of Project Veritas. And that was an oversight on my part. I shouldn't have had that quick trigger finger. But I don't want any of you to make the same mistake, and I don't want you to think that I didn't realize. I do realize. So there we have it. Now, today, I want to talk a little bit more about the World Economic Forum after that subject came up at length in the Joe Rogan podcast the other day with Majid Nawaz. You can kind of see that the World Economic Forum-related content is increasing each day. And that's really important because one of the misunderstandings that people have and what leads them to believe that people like me and others are suggesting some elaborate conspiracy that could not possibly exist in real life is that they don't understand that there is an agenda from the top down and they don't understand why 
so many world leaders, so many politicians, so many media organizations, the tech companies, the corporations, etc., could all somehow be involved in this same grand plan, this grand scheme to acquire and amass more wealth and power. And that sort of cluelessness about the bigger picture is what makes it impossible for them to connect all the rest of the stuff because the media is continually telling them that each small element is not only not connected to all the other elements, everything that we tell you about each one of those elements is in itself disinformation. So not only are we wrong about each little piece, the fact that we're wrong about each little piece leads us to making this grand connection that just simply doesn't exist. That's the central narrative's response to everything. And I used to believe that myself. I didn't believe so many people could be corrupt. So many people could be compromised. So many people could actually want all of the things that are described by the global communist agenda. And if you are the certain type of college educated, but basically still asleep and uninformed kind of person who identifies with elitism, whether or not you yourself qualify as an elite and 99.999% of the time you don't, but identifying with elitism and elitist ideas about the planet, about sustainability, about how we're going to save the planet from the sun, about the transhumanist agenda, the technocrat agenda, the gender agenda. Identifying with those ideas actually pays off in social credit for the sorts of people in the party of false decorum trying to climb the rungs of a social ladder in a quasi-elite society. Whether that society imagines itself as culturally elite, as was the society that I participated in in Hollywood, or they are the scientific elite or the academic elite or the economic elite, or they have familial bonds with royals or politicians or captains of industry or oligarchs. They get excited about things like merging computers with the human brain or being able to grow a baby in a synthetic fake womb. And by the way, that thing in particular is interesting, especially if it turns out as suspected that the vaccine ends up sterilizing a large portion of the population. Because then who would get to have children? Oh, yeah, the economic elites, the people with all the money. They would be able to afford that sort of thing, whereas everyone else can't. So, sorry, you're not going to have kids. Maybe it's your dream. Maybe your dream is to have grandkids. Maybe you want a big family to live in the country somewhere. Well, you can't do that now. Sorry, we were protecting you from COVID. And then you think about the merging of the human mind with the computer. And we understand all of these things on some level. We understand the transhuman agenda to be the desire for someone to essentially live forever. 
If you can keep replacing your body with the sense that your mind and your experience continues on, regardless of what is actually the vessel for that consciousness, then you can have at least the illusion of living forever, if not the practical reality of living forever. And I was talking last week about whether or not a certain nihilistic mindset that exists among these people who are committed to the scientific materialist worldview, if they actually had on some level a death wish that they don't actually value their own life and their own experience, they are happy to sacrifice that potentially because they're told they're doing so for the good of everybody else, whether or not they actually care about and like people and know people and whether or not the science even works and they're not simply being lied to. They would rather comply. They would rather be part of that team that feels like the winning team than actually extend their own lives so that they can be around to enjoy that time with their family, with their extended family, with their friends. But I kicked myself after that episode because I failed to mention and forgot to mention that there's a pretty stark contrast between that mindset and the mindset of those who are actually propagating the broader scientific materialist agenda. The people like the Ray Kurzweils, the Klaus Schwabs, the Yuval Noah Hararis, who we'll discuss later. Those people do not seem to devalue their own survival at all. In fact, they are working so that they can survive forever. And there are some people who believe that that is coming within our lifetime, the ability to do that, at least insofar as all of the technology that they are trying to bring into being can be successfully implemented in real life. And that's important to recognize while they're asking you to potentially sacrifice your own life because it's so important that you take the vaccine that was made and promoted by the same people who made and promoted the virus that vaccine pretends to solve. And it turns out, again, that the vaccine just doesn't work. It certainly doesn't work like it was originally advertised. And knowing that it doesn't work as originally advertised, it doesn't prevent infection, transmission, serious illness, or death. One should wonder what it does effectively work to do, and it must effectively work to do something, which is why they continue to promote it. It could be just as simple as it effectively works to increase their bottom line by billions and billions and billions of dollars every year. But you have to think that it probably works to accomplish a bunch of their other goals too. And when you understand that they profess, legitimately profess the goal of having a reduced population in the world for sustainability, it may well be working to accomplish that too. So back through the first few months of COVID, this is while I was still on Twitter, I used to follow a guy named Jordan Schachtel. He's an independent journalist and was doing some really great work and analysis on the actual COVID statistics, not what was being pumped out by CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Atlantic, 
etc., etc. On Monday, he tweeted out the clip I'm about to play for you from Klaus Schwab. And then I want to share with you his most recent writing on Substack. So here's the clip. I created the community of global shapers as a means, as a force to shape our common future. This engagement of the young generation never has been more important than now where we have to face the consequences of the pandemic of COVID-19 for creating a more resilient, a more sustainable and a more inclusive world. You are calling for the international community to safeguard vaccine equity to respond to COVID-19 and prevent future health crises. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. Young people, you are rallying behind the global wealth tax to manage the alarming surge in wealth inequality. You are calling for programs that help you and young progressive voices join government and become policymakers. To limit global warming, you are demanding to halt to coal, oil, and gas exploration. You are asking firms to replace any corporate board directors who is unwilling to transition to cleaner energy sources. You are championing an open internet and a two trillion digital access plan to bring the world online and prevent internet shutdown. And you are presenting new ways to minimize the spread of misinformation and you want to combat dangerous extremist views in the internet. On stakeholder capitalism will be the key. So Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum have launched an initiative that they call the Global Shapers Community, where they're going to have young people come into the fold and try to spread the World Economic Forum's agenda around the world into all the countries because they want it to be more sustainable. They want more inclusion. And these are terms that they define for themselves. Turns out they always end up with definitions that have virtually nothing to do with the actual definitions of those words. But there's a long history in communism, beautifully described by Orwell in 1984, of redefining everything so that existence kind of turns on its head and no one knows what's up, what's down. What does this mean? Well, it means whatever we say. And you can see that process in your daily life easily, every day. The definition of anti-racism now includes seeing primarily race, dividing by race, and then attributing characteristics of personality to everybody who is a member of a certain race or a certain skin color or a certain gender identity or whatever. What's a man now? Well, who knows? What's a woman? Who knows? Can men get pregnant? Yes. Can men have periods? Yes. Do women have penises. 
sometimes they have actually created a world in the gender construct where whether or not you want to wear dresses is more defining of your womanness than whether or not you have a vagina, which is the only thing that defines womanness. And what happens when someone decides to identify as another gender? Well, generally, they start by attempting to look like what they see as the abstraction of what the other gender looks like. Men who want to become women grow their hair out. They make sure that they are clean shaven. They start wearing dresses and makeup. They might have their penis removed and replaced with what they imagine a vagina is. They might have a doctor attach fake breasts to their chest so that they can become some reasonable facsimile of what they imagine a woman to be while also supporting the notion that none of those characteristics that they are trying to attach to themselves, none of those characteristics are actually what defines a woman or womanness. And of course, the reverse is true as well. But the point is that they are saying that the old definitions do not apply. In fact, the old definitions never applied and were never correct. And now the science is available to tell us that those old definitions were always wrong. Gender is merely a construct. Biological sex is merely an inconvenience. But implicit in the transition they make to whatever degree they actually transition are still all of the old definitions. They literally want it both ways and they believe that they have it both ways. And since no one else would ever believe something so ridiculous, they try to enforce that everyone else at least has to comply with their definitions. If they disagree, well, that's unfortunate, but they can't say it because if you say it, then you're mean or transphobic. And I want to make it clear. I think people should be able to do pretty much whatever they want as long as it's not harming someone else. And I don't mean like the broadest possible definition of harm. Like I go outside without a mask on and somebody says, I'm going to kill somebody's grandmother. No, that's not even a coherent thought. I mean, I'm not allowed to go outside the house and actually kill someone's grandmother. You know, the way we used to think of things before all the definitions got destroyed and everything began to mean nothing. And the entire time in, in that little clip, He's basically reaffirming for his community of global shapers that you should probably never compare to the Hitler youth, that they are guaranteeing vaccine equity to solve the COVID-19 pandemic and prevent future pandemics. And of course, he's doing that while planning future pandemics and the vaccines don't work. But it is very important under Klaus Schwab's worldview 
that all of the poor people around the world have access to his very safe and very effective vaccine that just, you know, in very rare cases might kill you or might prevent you from doing hard manual labor. We see soccer players collapsing all around the world. They're in about as good a shape as you could possibly be in. We know from military whistleblowers that they're having to ground pilots because that physically strenuous job can become exponentially more dangerous for people who have taken the vaccine or it might sterilize you. And if there's one thing that Klaus Schwab does not want, it's for poor people all around the world to be unable to have more children. And you know that's true because when they talk about how the population must be reduced, they just are talking about that theoretically. They're not saying that it would be better if all of these impoverished people all around the world couldn't actually have children. That cannot be what they're saying. And they definitely wouldn't use the science to accomplish that goal. I mean, that's a conspiracy theory. And then he says explicitly, and I quote, nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. And people with the certain mindset that I was talking about before, right? The scientific materialist mindset, the elitist mindset. They hear a guy like Klaus Schwab, who is fawned over by all the people they imagine themselves to be, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, the Justin Trudeaus of the world, these young, hip, stylish leaders who are in these positions of great success and power, the sort of positions they themselves aspire to. They see them fawning over Klaus Schwab, and they see Klaus Schwab in his nice suit speaking very confidently and openly about what he wants for the world. He wrote the book on stakeholder capitalism, which is literally fascism. Okay, it's literally fascism. It is the joining of the corporation and the state. And of course, he wrote the book COVID-19, The Great Reset. And the ideas in these books are echoed in affirmation by the people they're told are the world's leading public intellectuals. You know, all of the people that told us that masks work. And they think, well, okay, but all of these rich and powerful and smart people are agreeing with these ideas, and Klaus Schwab is saying them openly and describing how great they will be for the future of humanity. There must be something else at play. This couldn't just be an exercise in pure evil. I mean, you're a kind of a bad person to even suggest that evil is his primary motivation or that he just simply wants to control the world or that he just simply wants to actually change the world in the image he wants as if eugenicists never existed and never made these arguments. So. Even if you're the sort of person who defaults to that mindset and you're not awake to this stuff on some level, that's fine. But think about it. Think about it the way I've just described it. 
knowing what you know about the vaccines at this point, you know, not vaccines. I always have to say that because someone's like, stop calling them vaccines. You know, they're not vaccines. Yeah, I know they're not vaccines. And I know Joe Biden's not an illegitimate president. But if every now and then I accidentally call him president, I'm sorry. So knowing what you know about the not vaccines and considering the perspective I just presented about Klaus Schwab, which you're welcome to doubt, but should at least admit it's possible that I'm right about that. What does it then mean if he says no one is safe until everyone is vaccinated? Who is he talking to and how will they hear it? Okay, if he is talking to the Hitler youth, I mean, global shaper community. Well, he's encouraging them to push as hard as possible for vaccine programs everywhere. And if it's going to be an equitable vaccine program, the places they should push the hardest are impoverished communities in Africa, for example, parts of South America, Southeast Asia of the Middle East. And it turns out that Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates aligned with Anthony Fauci and a whole bunch of other people who helped put the COVID narrative forward onto the world and the vaccines forward onto the world. Well, they've had vaccine programs in other parts of the world for decades. Are they successful? Well, no. And once again, for more on that, by all means, get Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, and learn about what these people have done in Africa. And so you know that they want to live forever, but also believe that the world's population should be reduced, and they care very much about the environment, at least where they intend to live, and they don't want the sea level to rise. They just keep buying those shoreline houses because they're so nice for now. And they must just be able to afford it later. Barack Obama's $12 million house on the coast. Well, you know, yeah, it's going to be underwater in nine years. But hey, he can always make another $12 million. That's just a couple phone calls for a powerful global communist. So they want to live forever. They want the population reduced. They want the environment to be perfect for them while also being sure to control all of the world's natural resources, which you can see them doing. And they want to get vaccines out to everybody, particularly the impoverished people out in the world. And yes, the vaccines do kill people. They do destroy people's immune systems, and we're going to find out that they do sterilize people, making them unable to have children. We're also going to find out that they have banked all of the DNA of the human population so that they can target specific groups with things like viruses and vaccines. And that's not a conspiracy either. That's just something we know to be true. But it's important for the Hitler youth, I mean the global shaper community, to understand that they will not be safe until everyone in the world is vaccinated. 
the Hitler youth, I mean, the global shaper community are pushing for a wealth tax so that people who are already wealthy or have historical wealth and for some reason they are not aligning themselves with the World Economic Forum's agenda of global communism. Well, now there is a justification to simply take their money away from them and centralize their money as well. So even the independently wealthy have to succumb to the World Economic Forum at some point as their wealth is stripped away from them for failing to comply. Now, they're not going to strip away Bill Gates' wealth or Mark Zuckerberg's wealth, and they don't have to because Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, well, they donate their wealth to the cause. So you don't need to tax them. And they're doing all that to fix wealth inequality. Are they taking those billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars and distributing them to poor people? No. They're writing articles about how those poor people should be satisfied to eat bugs in the future. They'll own nothing and be happy. There really are articles, by the way. I'm not just making this up. There are articles all over the place in the mainstream media about how in the future eating crickets is going to be a primary source of protein. We actually don't need all those farting cows or all those dirty chickens and pigs in those mass farms. And I'm not saying factory farming is a good thing either. But to say there's a problem with factory farming does not in any way indicate that humans should not be eating beef or pork or chicken. That is not a logically sound conclusion. And he wants these global shapers to grow up and become politicians and go into the government so that Klaus Schwab doesn't only have 50% of the Canadian parliament. He wants 100% of the Canadian parliament and he wants 100% of the American government and he wants 100% of every other government. And again, right there, you can see clearly a quest for global domination. It doesn't actually matter that he thinks he's doing a good thing for everyone, or at least says he is. The people with the scientific materialist mindset, the elitist mindset will be like, yeah, but these are all good things. All the smart people say these are all the good things. These are the things that we need to get to the next stage of humanity and live on successfully in a world that we all still love. Imagining that that world is this world, right? The world that they have grown up in. Wanting the world that you've grown up in to continue on, that's conservatism, elitists. I know you're all very smart, but that's conservatism. And how do you appeal to someone's conservatism, but also implement globally communist policy? Well, you tell everybody that everything is going to be terrible if you keep doing the same thing. And there's no better place to do that than with the climate change agenda. But they tried to do the same thing with the COVID agenda, too. They said the way we've treated diseases in the past by simply recovering from them and moving on. Well, that's not good enough anymore. And we know it's not good enough because the science tells us, you see, we have this model that says all these millions and millions of people are going to die. And we have this theory that says if we lock down, then the disease won't spread. Even though that's never been tried, even though there was no proof anywhere in world history that it would work. Same thing with masks. These vaccines are obviously extremely harmful to get even a fraction 
of the adverse events or the deaths in the past would have had the vaccines pulled, but they're not. So they must be working for something. They want to get rid of coal and oil and natural gas, and they want to remove and replace all corporate board members of all sorts of corporations, but particularly ones who they can say are somehow harming the environment. And to do that, they have implemented ESG scores, environmental social governance, so they can place judgment on how well the powerful corporations are complying with the global communist agenda and punish or destroy all the ones who are not complying. And he says they want a free and open Internet with access everywhere. Now, what do they mean by that? They want everybody to access all of the world's information at the tip of their fingers so that they can judge the information, discern for themselves what it means, and then guide their own futures. No, of course not. They want the Internet to be everywhere so that the Internet of things can work and the Internet of bodies can work. And once they get the Internet of bodies and they connect your brain to a computer, which don't worry, they're not going to use it for you. I mean, not if not if you don't want to. Of course, you're going to have the choice about whether or not you are connecting your actual body to the Internet. Like, could you imagine them not giving you the choice on that? Like, My body, my choice. Am I right? But yeah. So let's say, for instance, you choose to merge with the machine or like this isn't going to happen. Don't worry. But like maybe you might not have the choice. And so then your body is attached to the Internet and all the stuff in your house is attached to the Internet. And so now they know where you are and they can monitor you at all times. Don't worry, because part of the Internet thing, this is how it's not going to be dangerous. Part of the Internet thing is that they're going to make sure that the Internet is not used to spread mis or dis or malinformation, and they want to make sure to tamp down any sort of extremism. So what we listened to was two minutes of the Nazi and communist and fascist Klaus Schwab, who wrote COVID-19, The Great Reset, and Stakeholder Capitalism, Fascism, Telling his community of Hitler youth, I mean, the global shaper community, these young people who he's pulling out of obscurity and then incentivizing to lead the future of the World Economic Forum agenda and their movement. They're going to live forever in a beautiful world. They are also simultaneously going to depopulate the world by, you know, providing more condoms to poor people. Sure, that's such an effective way of doing it. They're going to guarantee vaccine equity. They're going to take away non-compliant rich people's money with a wealth tax. They are going to demand the removal of non-compliant CEOs. They're going to demand that all prior forms of energy that have powered the world for well over a century are wiped out, replaced only with electricity that they control and supply and create regardless of the environmental costs. 
They're going to spread this everywhere. They're going to spread the Internet everywhere so that it connects to every device and body in the world. They're going to control that. They're going to control the censorship. They're going to control what people are allowed to think. That is the great agenda going forward. And once again, the scientific materialists, the elitists will think, yeah, but those are all good things. You just aren't understanding them right. (laughs) Oh, really? I wonder if you adjusted for the technological differences, how this agenda might compare to the agenda of the Nazi regime or to other past regimes that have been bent on controlling the world and focused on creating the population in the world that they want to create, which is eugenics. It doesn't matter how you do it. That is a eugenicist philosophy. And There is a history of eugenics in the United States, too, in California. Same time, 1930s, 1940s. You can go research that. Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. She started Planned Parenthood. What was her goal? Oh, it was to eliminate black people. Now, hey, Democrats, make sure Planned Parenthood is fully funded. Am I right? That's what they always want. So strange. Isn't it amazing that that organization has gone through the same switcheroo as the rest of the Democrat Party? The Democrat Party was once the party of the Confederacy, the party of the KKK, the party of Jim Crow, the party of urban destruction. But now they're the party that saves all black people and you can't contest it or else you're racist. Likewise, now they're the party of abortion, just like back then. But abortion now isn't for eugenics. Abortion now is for pro-feminist values. It allows women to do whatever the hell they want. That's the whole point. Don't you understand? And yes, it does turn out that black women have the most abortions and that millions upon millions of black babies have been aborted over the past few decades. But that's that's just because, you know, Black people in these urban communities that are governed by Democrats, well, they just they just can't stop having sex out of wedlock and can't stop just having more pregnancies, you know, because that's just what those people do. That is literally the Democrat argument, by the way. (laughs) But, you know, they're not racist because of the switcheroo. So let's move to Jordan Schachtel's piece, okay? The Great Reset Part 2, The World Economic Forum's Great Narrative Project. Time is of the essence, and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are here to save you from yourself. The climate emergency has arrived, and we have no time to waste. The environment is on the brink of disaster, and climate change is an existential threat. Klaus Schwab, the head of the infamous World Economic Forum, hammers home the aforementioned call to action on virtually every page of his latest manifesto, The Great Narrative, which acts as a part two of his The Great Reset book series. In recognizing the end of COVID mania, The Great Narrative is an attempted reminder to keep us on edge. It is a grand call to take sweeping action to fight the climate emergency via Klaus Schwab's credential elite. It relentlessly hammers home the apparent necessity of taking dramatic, tyrannical measures to intervene in the climate. 
And by intervening in the climate, he means radically reorienting every nation on Earth by imposing a totalitarian global governance order. But I just have always been making this stuff up. According to Schwab, the world must be rapidly transformed according to the designs of a technocratic elite. And we must adopt the ideas and policy preferences of 50 handpicked narrators interviewed for the book, who he describes as, quote, global thinkers and public intellectuals. Schwab describes the great narrative as a book that goes, quote, beyond the realm of theory, serving as a, quote, call to action. We adopt the view that, As they recover from the pandemic and embark on a path to radical and accelerated change, our societies and economies should be attuned to the needs of our global commons, the author says. What is a global commons? We share everything with everyone else? Is that what he's saying? Well, certainly Klaus Schwab is not going to share his house with the homeless. He's not going to share his house with the immigrants that are being shuffled all around the world in a massive slave trade that we are told is the result of climate change and economic migration or the seeking of refuge from gang violence. It's not a slave trade. They are not planning on exploiting all of those people for their political power and their cheap labor. They would never suggest that. That's not what they want. And they're not using all of that and funding the cartels to smuggle those people around the world with all sorts of drugs and human trafficking, child trafficking, sex trafficking, bringing terrorists and violent criminals across the borders. That's not what they're doing. It's not a slave trade. And since it's all good and the globalists are just helping these poor, poor people, well, then Klaus Schwab can help those people by supporting Klaus Schwab's agenda. And then he doesn't actually have to invite any of them into his own home. That's how that works. So you see, he's helping. Yes, he has an enormous house and way too much money and all this power and private planes flying around the world. But he doesn't need to stop any of that because the power of his narrative, the power of his movement is ultimately what's going to solve these problems, according to 50 of the best narrators in the world. While Schwab entertains a variety of ideologies and political perspectives, there is one group of people who are to be dismissed whole cloth. That group, of course, is individuals and groups that do not buy into his climate narrative. Schwab cannot hide his disdain for these rogue actors who he notes with disgust are largely located in the United States. According to Schwab, the enemies of his Kumbaya world include nationalists, populists, individualists, and those who support free markets. So he doesn't like any of those people because they support ideologies that conflict with his own ideology and If that's the case, let's think about what the opposite of these terrible ideologies are, right? What is the opposite of nationalism? Well, it's globalism. What is the opposite of populism? Well, it's pretty much elitism, right? Populism is the notion that governments should serve the people and that the people should 
decide what the government does based on their needs. So that's not good enough. So we're globalist, we're elitist, individualists. That's no good. You have to act and think always for the good of everyone. You cannot make your own decisions. You need to make the decisions that are aligned with the community. And then, of course, he's not interested in free markets. And that's quite an admission, is it not? And what is the opposite of a free market? A free market is capitalism. So what's the opposite of a free market? Well, it's communism. But he actually supports an agenda called stakeholder capitalism. He's opposed to free markets, which means he actually does not like capitalism, but he calls it stakeholder capitalism. And we call the Chinese Communist Party's system of economics state capitalism. Those are controlled systems, and those systems are controlled for the benefits of the few running the system and the corporate interests that are involved with the system. They tell us that our ownership in those systems, our stake that we hold in those systems is that those systems are working toward a better world and to protect the environment, which we all share. So that is our stake. The, the old and dumb communists, they used to think that all of the workers would own equal shares of the company, the same as the owner, and everyone would profit when the company profits. What a brilliant system. But not only is that system just the stupidest idea that ever existed, most obviously because it doesn't work and can't work, it's actually not the system they're suggesting. They're talking about a controlled economy, and they don't actually want you to own anything. So where is your share of what's out there? Your share is only your use. You're basically renting movies on Apple TV. You pay $5, you get to watch that movie for the next two days and never again, unless you want to pay five more dollars. Apply that to pants. So he wants a globalist world for the elites where people do what they are told is in the best interest of the community. And he wants controlled economies. My friends, that's communism. And I've been saying it for a long time. I got told not to say it. Oh, you can't call people commies. They're not commies. They don't support communism. They'll tell you, just ask them, and they'll tell you, oh, no, I like capitalism. Look at my Tesla. I love buying Apple products. I want to go on vacation all over the place. I want a massive house. Therefore, I'm a capitalist. Uh, no, you're just a person who wants to have all the good stuff and thinks that you're entitled to it, but that nobody else is going to ever get it. Supporting the idea that you personally should be able to be rich is not the same at all as supporting capitalism. Klaus Schwab is a communist. People who support the World Economic Forum's agenda, well, they're communists too. And it turns out these collectivist ideologies, as I've talked about a million times, actually do encompass socialism and fascism and Nazism, as we can see in Canada right now, as we can see with the medical experimentation being forced on children around the world. And you say, oh, you can't say it's Nazism. Well, what nation is up to the fourth shot and has this huge uptake, this huge acceptance of the vaccine? Because, of course, they were coerced. Oh, well, that's Israel. 
but they're not doing it to kill Jews. So individualists, populists, nationalists, people who support free markets, right? Schwab describes this cohort of supposed evildoers as conspiracy theorists who are responsible for all of the world's ills. These individuals prop up anti-science movements that, quote, prolong the waning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Schwab writes, adding that this group is hindering both public health and more fundamentally our ability to move forward in unison. And just to pause for another second, isn't it amazing that the conspiracy theorists, all those people who have virtually no power relative to these people, those are the ones that are ruining everything for the entire world? How is that? And when you ask yourself that question and you understand the answer, doesn't it seem like the guy who's trying to dominate the entire world may well be trying to provide a justification to destroy everyone who doesn't agree with his vision? Turns out that's exactly what's going on. Back to Jordan Schachtel. Anyway, enough of those evildoers who draw the ire of the author. Schwab has his eyes on the prize and there is no time to waste. Climate action, sustainability, inclusivity, global cooperation, health and well-being are the most important issues to address in our times, he writes. Not moving right away and decisively would render our biosphere so hostile as to derail global economic growth and further endangering political and social stability, Schwab adds. And if you have a dimly lit child-sized brain inside your noggin, this would all actually sound smart and reasonable to you. All those goals, sustainability, inclusivity, global cooperation. That is literally the communist utopia being proposed and the child brains will accept that on an emotional basis because they want to think of themselves as the nice people they truly are not. They believe that everyone will just cooperate if they could all get on the same page. What page is that? Their page. And hey, if they choose not to cooperate, then they are the problem and must be destroyed. In one page after another, the World Economic Forum chief showcases his ideological commitment to the climate agenda. Climate change is the greatest collective action problem we've ever been confronted with. He says, adding that, quote, humanity has never faced an endeavor more complex, ambitious and far reaching than arresting the collapse of our ecosystem and stabilizing the climate. Klaus Schwab has an unbelievable God complex, and he frequently reminds the reader of his apparently unlimited technocratic faculties. He routinely reveals that he believes his group of colleagues have deity-like powers and that once they unite their overall expertise, these technocrats, once in charge of all of us, can bring about unprecedented happiness and order. Once again, the global communist utopia, the heaven on earth for people who will live forever. Don't you understand? Schwab considers inequality, particularly on the financial side, to be of 
utmost importance. But rather than create opportunity for the masses, he prefers a system of state control, which, in his view, would reduce, quote, demonstrations and social unrest. That's weird coming from the people who literally funded the Black Lives Matter Antifa domestic terrorist organizations and do so around the world. Schwab and his co-author advocate for a new social contract and propose a variety of solutions that will help bring the climate agenda forward. He advocates for the consolidating of global central banks around climate action. Okay, you understand that concept? Global central banks would then control a global central digital currency. That digital currency would be attached to your environmental score, your carbon credit system, your usage, your proportional usage of the environment. And of course, you could figure out ways to earn more usage. We wouldn't want to have a situation where celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio, the climate activist, we wouldn't want to have a situation where he just wasn't allowed to fly on a private jet. And to enable him to be able to do that because it's so important, you are not going to be able to eat beef. You're going to have to eat crickets and you can have a hamburger a month as long as you don't say the wrong things. But if you do say the wrong things, then it's probably just going to be crickets for you. And so your environmental score, it's just going to be so bad only crickets, and they're going to make sure that that's all you can buy because that's all your global central digital currency will be able to buy. What you have will not be money that you earned or money that your parents passed down to you. What you will have is a voucher for crickets. You see, you will own nothing and like it. Klaus Schwab will still have his house and his plane, but you you will own nothing and you will be happy. Acknowledging that this transition period may be brutal to some, they advocate for the harnessing of economic productivity through nature-based solutions. Schwab and his cohorts also discuss the advent of the bioeconomy or the targeted destruction of reliable energy while forcing people to eat, quote, alternative food protein sources like beans and bugs. Again, not making it up, never making it up. When I am communicating my own speculation or my own original thinking, I will usually, I think I try to be consistent. I guess you guys can be the judge, but I try to tell you when I'm doing that and try to tell you what the support for my belief is. This is right there in his own book. They do want you to eat bugs and they do want you to be happy about it because you're going to be saving the environment. Another solution is that of climate engineering, such as blocking out the sun to attempt to manipulate global temperatures. Klaus Schwab is a comic book villain. And in the great narrative, he exposes the truly insane extremist agenda of the World Economic Forum, which, through its Davos Forum, acts as the go-to policy and ideas shop of the ruling class. Who do you think these ideas are there to benefit? 
everybody, all of these people in the ruling class, they're all perfectly altruistic. The things that they're doing, the wealth they're amassing, the power they're amassing, it's all so that one day they can fix everything for all of the little people. That's why Mark Zuckerberg needs all your data. That's why they want to track you. That's why they want to inject an experimental gene therapy into you. It's all for your own good. Sure, guys. And the guy in the creepy white van probably just wants to give you ice cream. Ice cream made out of crickets. It's important to read this book so that you are aware of the great narratives that will soon emerge from the global elites. Rarely do you find such genuine overt evil in this world. Klaus and the World Economic Forum, through the attempted Trojan horse hijacking of our freedoms via the climate emergency, fit the bill. So Klaus Schwab is saying all of this. We know who the people are who participate in the World Economic Forum, and as importantly, what type of people are involved in the World Economic Forum. We know the World Economic Forum's goal is to capture governments and that they have captured governments. He brags about it, and I played that video. And we are expected to believe that all of these most powerful people in the world who are not only in power from their business interests or their family connections or their positions in government, but that the World Economic Forum is actively seeking to put these people in positions of power. And we're expected to believe that all of these people are doing it for the benefit of everyone, the poorest people in the world. That is what they are selling the agenda based on that they are going to create equity for these people, financial equity. Well, what is financial equity? Is it for everyone? Are all of the poorest people in the world, is their level of financial stability going to be brought up to the level of Klaus Schwab or Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates? Are they going to be made equal to the wealth and power of those who run the central banks? Are they going to be on the same level as the Queen of England or the Pope? And the answer is, of course not. What they are doing is implementing the same feudal system that the world has lived under for millennia. These people are essentially making themselves the kings of the world. And even in that, they're stratified. Some people are substantially power, more powerful than other people, even within that system. And whenever they feel like it, they change the value of your money and reserve the right to take it away from you. And they tell you that you will own nothing and be happy. And we are told, we are convinced to believe by our culture that the Queen of England, for instance, and other royal families in the Middle East or in Europe or wherever else, they're not the same as that old kind of royalty that we know throughout history. They're just figureheads who are happy to participate in open societies where people can get ahead based on their own merit. We are told that those old feudal structures are gone. 
that power based on ancient bloodlines is no longer relevant. It's no longer a thing. And all the while, these most powerful people in the world are looking to live forever. And if that's too much for you to believe, if you think I'm just shooting my mouth off and talking crazy, just a conspiracy theory, well, let's hear from Yuval Noah Harari, who is considered just one of the smartest people in the entire world. What a brilliant genius who understands the future. In the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough. And nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life for four billion years, dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life, after being confined to, for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may ena enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. So after four billion years of organic life, shaped by natural selection, we are entering the era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. So does the data about my DNA, my brain, my body, my life, does it belong to me or to some corporation or to the government or perhaps to the human collective? Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. 
Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to. But in a crisis, you see we have no chance. So, 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 so let's do it. Vaccine won't help us go the to the test, of course. The vaccine will help <laughs> us, of course. It will make things you know, m more manageable. Surveillance, people could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. They can hack you. They can hack your body. They can hack your body from underneath your skin. And somehow that's related to the vaccine. Although who knows how? And we will replace the intelligent design of the man in the clouds with our own intelligent design and the IBM cloud. And this will allow us to make perfect humans to the point where all of those former humans they're not even necessary anymore. And we're not going to like try to kill them. That would be mean, but we will reduce their immune systems to absolutely nothing and then let them die. But hey, they didn't properly position themselves for the future of humanity that we will decide and implement. And you just got to trust us because it's coming whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, you're probably evil and you better get on the right page at the right time or else you're going to be left behind. But the good thing is all of these people are the most intelligent people in the world, almost to the point of omniscience, right? And they do have all the power. They have enough power to change you from underneath your skin without you knowing it. They'll simply hack you. And they're going to control everything and own everything. You'll own nothing, but you will be happy. And that kind of makes them omnipotent, doesn't it? And once we connect the internet of bodies and the internet of things and the actual internet, just think of all the things we can do. It'll be like our control is everywhere all the time. Our ruling globalist overlords will essentially be omnipresent. And so with this technocracy, with this perfect globalist utopia, our rulers, our great feudal kings, will become omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. But don't worry, they're not trying to replace God because God doesn't exist. They're just trying to fix, you could say, recreate humanity in their own image and trust them. They know what's good for us. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work.
They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, download the Telegram Messenger app and go to t.me slash I'm your moderator. I'm on Gab, Getter, Rumble, and BitChute at I'm your moderator. You can find my writing at I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the show financially, there is a crypto wallet address in the episode description or go to kofi.com slash I'm your moderator. KO-FI.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you again soon out on the range. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's high noon! In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm Your Moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon, down on the range. It's hell!